windy monday ladies and gents so if you don't have real property then what kind of property do you got we're going to be talking about that here today so here we go shut up and sit down the business bros podcast was created for you learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories find out what's working in business on social media what's hot and what's not straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work and now, welcome to another episode of Business, Business Bros. <laughs> it is time to rock and roll. You know what, James? If, if there was fire outside tonight, that wind would knock it down, dude. Oh, man. I don't know. Oxygen makes it burn even hotter, right? All right, all you business pros, before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, and drop a review. Help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in the podcast rankings. We will sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it. If you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz slash podcast guest to schedule your time slot. Don't forget to follow us on all our social media at Business Bros Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're so excited and so honored to bring yet another incredible guest on the Business Bros Pod. Of all the things you own, your most valuable asset is your mind and all the genius ideas that come out of it. Our guest today is an intellectual property attorney specializing in helping startups, small businesses, and solo inventors get their patents and trademarks established. After spending several years helping Fortune 100 companies with their IP, our guest realized that someone needed to help the little guys and gals. So he set off to help smaller companies protect their intellectual property, and now he can help you rest easy knowing no one can steal your inventions. If you've ever had a groundbreaking, game-changing shower thought and didn't know where to get it off, where to start to get it off the ground, you will not want to miss today's show. Joining us out of the great state of Utah from Miller IP Law, welcome to the show, Devin Miller. What hey, that, was, that was about as great of intro as I could have. <laughs> James does his thing, dude. He does his thing. He is one cunning linguist. So what can I say? That's 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 how he rolls. All right, Devin, let's what'd you say? But I'm a one-trick pony. One trick pony, <laughs> one trick pony. All right, Devin, let's jump into this. Let's just start from the beginning. What the hell is intellectual property? I heard a real property, right? That's real estate. That you know, I can own a car, that's something I could drive. You know, I can own a pen, that's something I can hold in my hand. What is intellectual property? Yeah, so intellectual property, if you think of it as a, as a business, right, you have a lot of ideas and a lot of things that you put in your blood, sweat, and tears, a lot of time and effort to figure out, to come up with. And yet you know, once you come up with it, it's easy to figure out, you know, to reverse engineer. Once you come up with a better mousetrap, everybody can see, oh, that's how you make a mousetrap. And now everybody's creating some or their, their version of the mousetrap and you've lost your competitive edge. So really intellectual property is a way for you to capture the, or the time money and effort that goes into figuring something out in order that you can maintain a monopoly for a period of time or to maintain that you know competitive edge for a period of time so that others aren't just copying what you're doing and so breaking that up just a little bit if you're to look at uh, kind of what intellectual property is an umbrella term that really encompasses three different things so one is patents and that's kind of any of your inventions something that you create something that does something 
a trademark, which is a brand. So if you think of anything that's related to branding, that falls under trademarks. And then last is going to be copyrights. And that's kind of anything more on a creative work. So if you were to think of books or movies or podcasts or anything of that nature where you're creating something, a painting or that, that's going to be under copyright. So depending on kind of what is your intellectual property, what are you working on, you can protect it different ways. Well, let's talk about what it takes to get that stuff squared away. So I come up with, I don't know, let's use the Business Bros logo for an example, right? Let's say it's something cool. We really want to take care of it. We want to make sure that it's ours. We want to trademark it or we want to, you know, whatever we're going to do with it. Uh, and we don't do that, right? Because for whatever reason, I don't know that I'm supposed to, it's too expensive, whatever the reason, uh, what kind of repercussions do I have or what can I do to protect myself? And if nothing, what should I have done in the first place? And how can I how can I go after anybody who's using my stuff? All right. There's a whole bunch of questions there. So I'll try and hit as many of them as I can. <laughs> but the, the question I'd reflect back to you before I dive into answering your question is, what would happen? Let's say you have the Business Bros becomes the number one podcast across all the platforms. Never, And so, you know, great brand, everybody, millions of listeners, you're making a lot of money. And then somebody would come along and start to use your brand. They were to start to use the business bros in order to do their own podcast, look similar to yours, had the same kind of a look and feel to it. How would that affect your business? That would suck. I would, that would, you know what? Honestly, I'd be kind of proud that I'd be at a point where I had copycats like that. Right. That's kind of cool. But at the same time, like if you're in this to make money, like that, that could really hurt your bottom line. All of a sudden when I would be making money on selling a t-shirt or a little bobblehead or whatever, all of a sudden, they're making that revenue. So that that would kind of suck. <laughs> well, and that's what if you'd ask, you know, kind of what you do, what happens if you don't do a, a trademark, right? If you weren't to do it, let's say, you know, if you're a, mo a small business, a mom and pop shop, you're just wanting to be local, you're probably fine without a trademark in the sense you're just going to stay in your lo little geographic location, sell it to the local community, which is great. But if you're saying, hey, at some point I want to be you know, a big brand. I want to be a Starbucks. I want to be an M&M's. I want to be a Pepsi. I want to be a, a Dave Ramsey. If you're going to more radio or podcast, whatever, you know, Rush Limbaugh, whichever it is that, you know, whichever side of the aisle you get, then you're going to want to say, now I want to, as I build this brand, I want, don't want someone to just be able to come along, copy the brand, copy what I'm doing, take all the hard work that I've done. And now people are starting to go to them, right? So you're going to want to be able to protect that. So that's what you're doing when you're looking at a trademark is how do I protect my brand? How do I keep it? So others don't introduce something that's confusingly similar. So the customers don't know, is this the original business bros? Is this the new business bros? And how do you protect that? So that's where you start to get into trademarks and branding. As far as if you didn't get started. You can generally get started anytime along the way. The biggest issue you're going to get into is if you were to get to a point that let's say you, you were just starting out your brand, you called it Business Bros. You were unaware that somebody else already had the Business Bros name for their podcast. And so you were actually infringing what they were doing. You were copying what they're doing unknowingly but you built a huge brand. You put a ton of time and money and effort into it. And then a year or two or three years down the road, you, they send you a letter saying, hey, just so you know where, cease and desist. You know, you guys need to cease and desist. You can't use the business bro's name anymore because we've already been using it. We already have the rights to it. We filed the trademark first. Now you're in a spot where you're having to rebrand. You're either having to get a deal with them, license it from them, try and buy them if you can, or to, you're having to rebrand your whole company to start over with a new brand, which all of those can be expensive and time-consuming for any business. So really, once you're getting 
getting your business up and going, getting it started, you're going to want to look at how you can protect your brand if your goal is to grow it into something. All right, my my question when you already have a trademark, because I've seen this time and time again, right? You hear about uh, little off-market stuff. You go to swap meets, you go to these little uh, different places, and they're making some fake stuff. They're selling, and they're kind of placing a brand, placing the logo. How does one make a profit off their patents, off their copyrights, off the stuff that they've created? You kind of mentioned licensing and stuff, but how do we protect it? Yeah, I mean, that, no, that's a huge question. So I'll try and I'll try and ample it more or answer it a little bit more simply. Because I mean, let's say, and we'll go back to brands, and then maybe I'll mention patents for just a minute. But, you know, Pep, how does Pepsi? How does Coke? How does M and M's? How does Marvel? How do they all make money, right? Because really, you think about it, what they have is a great brand. I mean, you could go and figure out how to make another M and M. It's not patented. You could start using the trademark if you know Pepsi or Coke, and if you started to be. If you were able to slap it on the side of a, you know, your own drink, you'd be able to make a lot of money because everybody's going to buy your product thinking it's Pepsi or Coke. So one of the ways is, is if you're building a brand, you're just going to want to protect it because that's where all the value of your business is. And so one of the ways you do it is simply just you're able to stop others from using that same brand name. So Coke is the only one that can use Coke. Pepsi is the only one that you can use Pepsi. Starbucks is the only one that use Starbucks. And so you're as you build a following, as you build uh, customers that are loyal to you, you're able to stop others from using it now let's say on the other hand you're saying okay i want to be able to make beyond just building my own company and having my own brand that people are loyal to i want to make other sources of revenue that's when we touch on a little bit of licensing right Marvel and Disney are great at licensing in the sense that, you know, how most of the products they make, a lot of the things they do, they don't do it themselves, but they'll license it out. So every time that somebody wants to make a poster or a sticker or they want to come out with something, they go pay Marvel an exorbitant amount of money in order to be able to stick Marvel on the side and be able to do that. Well, that's a licensing deal. So you can license it. You can keep it to yourself and just grow the brand and stop others from copying you. Or, you know, at some point, if you wanted to sell the business, right? So you want to built this huge brand and now you want somebody else to buy it. You know, if we're to get into podcasting, Wondery, right? Wondery is a huge podcasting platform. I think they just sold for, what was it, 300 million plus. And, and they, you know, they're they're certainly evaluated very high. And a lot of what it is, is they, they built a brand, they protected it. And then when it came time to sell the business, that was part of the valuation. That was part of the value of the business was the brand that they both have and protected. The last thing, and then I'll take a breath, is on the, now let's say you have on the patent side. So we just talked a little bit about brands, but let's say you build the world's next best iPhone. You came up with a way that's going to blow all other, other phones away and it's going to be really cool. Well, a patent is going to allow you to basically have a 20 year, you know, monopoly that nobody else can make what you're making. Nobody else can produce it. They can sell it, anything else. So you have 20 years where for the innovation that you made, for the invention that you came up with, you can keep 20 years of your product without anybody else else be able to copy it or able to make it. End of the 20 years, then it goes to the public domain. Everybody else can make it. Everybody else can build on top of it. So you have a window within which you have a proprietary, something proprietary that you can protect. And then after that, it goes out or goes into the public domain. So uh, ain't no thing like me except me. That's right. So th there's different time frames for different things, right? Because I, I, and I don't know exactly, but like uh, music or books, they had like a 70 year type or something like that time frame where then it goes into a public domain. But I've also heard of people like renewing 
uh, patents or, or I, I don't know, maybe I'm making that up as, as far as I know, but like where, where it falls into other families when people pass away and they like are able to extend that going forward. Is that, is that like the case when it comes to patents after a 20 year period? So 20 on patents, 20 years and you're done. Meaning once you've got, once you've had your patent for 20 years, you've had your exclusivity. It is basically goes to the public that anybody can build on it. And really the reason being is that, you know, once er, the government came up with patents as a way that they were incentivizing people to go out and innovate. So they're basically saying in exchange for a 20 year exclusivity, you have to disclose the details of your invention such that people can build on top of it. They can make it better. And then after that 20 years, everybody has the opportunity to start making when you're making and build on it. So give you an example. Let's say you make, you know, black and white TV. Go back and go back in history when it was a black and white TV. It was a great TV. You could watch shows. It was a great innovation at the time, but everybody wanted color TV, right? You didn't want to just watch it in black and white. So you wanted to watch it in color. So black and white TV, you got a patent on it, 20 years. I own it. I can make black and white TVs. I can decide if other people can do anything on top of it because I made a great invention. But the person that came along to the color television also has a great invention. So after the 20 years, he doesn't have to pay me anymore. He can simply build on it. So it kind of incentivizes people to create something and then also to allow others to build on top of it. Now you get to branding, trademarks, trademarks, they can go on indefinitely. So trademarks can, as long as you continue to use your trademark, you continue to own it. So think of brands that have been around for a long time. Sears that used to be in business for a while. You have AT&T that's been around for a long time. You have all the different companies that have had trademarks and brands that they've built up over a very long time. As long as they continue to use a trademark, you can own those indefinitely. Copyrights are the last one, and that one is basically 70 years plus the life of the author. So if you think of, okay, you were, you come up with the world's best painting or the world's best song, you come up with the best podcast in the world, then as long as you're alive, you own that, you know, or you can sell it, but there's that ownership, that copyright around it. Once you die, the, your family, your, you know, your children, your family, whoever else has 70 years after you die that they can continue to maintain that copyright, have that as that, or ownership of it. After that, it becomes the open to the public and anybody can use it. So if you think of classical music, right? You always hear classical music that's been around for hundreds of years. And so nobody's having to pay for the rights of the classical music. And that's why a lot of people will build on top of classical music. One of the other interesting ones, and then I'll take another break, is uh, Disney. You know, you think of Disney. One, what Disney now owns the world. You know, they own a whole bunch of you know movies, and they own Marvel, and they own a whole bunch of things. But when the, Disney originally started, which movies did they start out with? And I'll I'll pose a question to you. Can you remember which movies they started out with? Snow White. Oh, that's a good one. Snow White. That was one of the first ones. Any the other Br- ones that you can remember? Is it the Grimm Brothers stories? Probably in there. You got Grim Brothers. You have Beauty and the Beast. You have Cinderella, the Little Mermaid. Cinderella. Now, why did why do you think they went with all of those different movies? Because the reason is, is they weren't in copyright anymore. They those stories had been out for over that seventy years plus the life of the author, so they didn't have to go and purchase anybody those rights in order to make that story. Now they went out and made their own version, owned that version of it, but the actual story, what they made the movies out of, that was or in the public domain. It'd been after the life of the author plus seventy years, and so it was a way for them to jumpstart their business without having to go and pay someone to write the story and to do all that and just take stories that are well known. 
Dude, that's some powerful stuff right there. So you, so it's kind of like when we're on YouTube today, right? Today, when you're on YouTube, you get flagged for all kinds of stuff. You can have a particular song playing in the background, even if it's not intentional. It's just, a, a, you know, your, the radio is playing in the background or whatever. You can get dinged for that sort of stuff. Uh, audiobooks, those can dinged for that sort of stuff. And you're seeing people get uh, banned, blocked, whatever mm. it is going after because – there's a response to that sort of tribe. So what they're trying to protect, if I'm you correctly, when you get banned from stuff like that, when they're stopping you from doing that, is because you're attracting the tribe falsely when that tribe belongs to somebody who has a particular copyright or or mm-hmm. patent on on partic- on, a, on the way that you're doing something, what you're presenting. Sound about right? Yeah, about right. I think it's two things. One is you know if you're attracting a tribe, meaning really what most of the time with copyrights is they just want to be paid right so if i come up with a song that's playing in the background i want to be paid for every time that that song is played because i came up with a song and so youtube is typically dinging you because they're saying you don't have the rights to that song you haven't paid the right person who ha- has that ownership and they can either say yes well for a price you can use that song you can do it or no we don't want you to use it because we don't want it associated with your show we don't like your show or we don't want it we only want it to be used in certain ways and so it's really more of typically an economic motivation of they want to be able to get paid and control how how their song or their creative work is used damn man i had some some eminem songs in the top of my head i was like dude i could be using these man maybe i'll piss eminem off and he'll put me in one of his songs and i just like no dude so so when when we're creating things when we're creating music like there's so many people right now on tiktok just like throwing out music like crazy trying to get discovered uh, can mm. you go back at a certain point and say this was my song and then at that point copyright it or if it's in the public domain like on a tiktok can i just i mean not that i would but can i just go and cop that stuff and make it my own since it's in the public domain so, yeah, a couple of questions. One is that, you know, as far as y- once you create the song, you have an inherent copyright to it, meaning you own it. And so if you come up with a new song, then, then you're the automatic owner of it. You don't have to do anything in order to copyright. Now, it's better to register as a copyright. It's better to do something with, but you do have some inherent rights to it. The question is, is, the one that I thought you were going to go with is how do you know what is an original? Meaning there are so many songs on TikTok. There are so many songs that are out there. And how do you know that what's your little hook, your catchy, your catchy tune or that is not built on somebody else? Because, you know, when I went to law school, I had a professor and he was actually, you know, if you know the song, play the funk, that funky music, white boy, he was in that band. So that was a professor. He was one of the band members that came up with that, but he would go and tear apart songs. And if you were to just take a few second clip, he would say, here's one song and here's another. And you play them side by side. And it sounded very similar. And it sounded, you know, it's one that it's hard to be creative because there've been so many songs out there. So many people that have come up with things. So the first question is, is, is what you're creating copyrightable because it is it yours originally now if you were to take you know let's say you mentioned public domain old classical music let's say you did an updated version of beethoven or bach or whoever it was and you put your own spin on it so you you know you you dj'd it you made it a bit different you sped it up you slowed it down you pitch you raise the pitch you lower the pitch well you've now just taken something and made it new right it's no longer his or beethoven or box original song it's your spin on it so that creative nature the spin you put on it the difference you make is where you own the copyrights you don't own the original song anybody can still play the original song but you can make something new and different from it 
So in the eighties, uh, that was that was big. People would take all kinds of stuff, mix tape, mixtapes, records, and just take little pieces of it and kind of just concoct them into their own. Stretch them out, whatever. Slow it down. Mm. Play it in reverse. Whatever it was. Uh, is it, so so we and there was big uproar on that. Like people were like, "Dude, that's my that's my riff. That's my guitar solo. That's my like." Everybody was you know saying, "Dude, that's my stuff." So what mm. you're saying is, as long as you take something and you make it creatively different, you add to it, you spin, you give your your own spin, you're in the clear on that sense. Yes, for the most part. Now, I mean, that's a big statement because I mean, if now let's say you take the hook you know because a lot of songs have the hook that really catchy note and all you do is copy let's say you take 10 hooks and put them in a row you didn't change it you didn't transform it then you're not you're not in the clear so it depends on how how much you change it and that's a hard thing to kind of define as to what is enough but really what they're looking for is is it what in legal terms they'd say is transformative did you make something new did you transform it so if all i do is cut take a whole bunch of little clips and i make a new song with it you're probably not transforming it because you're not making it different enough but if you're taking something that's underlying and you're transforming it you're making it new such that okay i listened to the original i listened to what you did and they're different they're unique they're new they're you know they have a transformation that occurred then you're probably okay so I don't want to give anybody, oh, yeah, I can just go rip off 20 artists. I'll put them in my song and I'll be okay because I just take little snippets. It's more of do you make something new and transformative? And really, if you're getting into it, you're probably worthwhile to talk to an attorney before you go and you go and get a whole bunch of people mad at you. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's what, about our, what about our movie clips? <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that's a great Perfect. question. <laughs> So that is a good question. It's a hard, it's a hard one. And first of all, you're always going to have a hard time getting an attorney to nail down and give you an absolute definitive because there's a lot of gray areas. <laughs> Typically, if you're doing it for a couple reasons, which you guys probably fall into, is parody, right? So you're making, you know, people are you're taking a very small snippet, you're making a comedy out of it, you're making it funny, or you're doing something that's unique and different. Then you're probably okay. And I'll give you a probably because if you get sued, don't take my word for it. But if you know, generally, if you're making it into a parody, you're, you're part of your podcast is to provide humor. You're using the clip. You're generally okay. Now, on the other hand, let's take you know, you just took the the friends clip, and let's say you took 30 minutes and you did a whole episode and you just put it as part of your podcast. Well, now it's not really a parody. You're not just taking that small little clip in order to introduce some humor into it. You're really just copying what they've done and taking it as your own. Then you're probably going to get into into issues. All right. So speaking of parodies, I've done a few, right? So, I, and here's the thing. I didn't change the beat. The beat is exactly the same. The lyrics were my own, right? So, uh, so, and, and I had fun doing them and some of them get hit on YouTube as like, whoa, you can't do this. And some of them, they're like, yeah, whatever. And that was one of my questions that I had always wondered about when you're creating parodies, it, when it's transformative, when it's something different, but it's partially different, right? Like I, my, I got my own lyrical spin on it. I mean, here you go. Right? Go ahead, James. I got my own lyrical spin on it, but at the same time, it's M's beat. You're in a gray area. So yeah, you're in a gray area in the sense that I don't, without having gone through all of them, I don't know how transformative they are. Let's say you had, you know, you took the words and there was a hundred words and I'm making it up and you changed 10 of them. Well, is that really transformative? Probably not. 
But if you were to take the words and, you know, a good example, let's take Weird Al Yankovic, right? He takes all sorts of songs. He recreates them, makes them his own, makes them funny, makes them humorous. Then that's transformative. It's a parody. It's meant to be funny. It's meant to make fun of the songs or other issues. And people aren't going to legitimately think that that was the original artist that they, they've done. They know that it's a parody that's made fun of. So as you're doing your own, if they're ones that, yeah, hey, they're humorous, they're funny, they're making, you know, they're taking it and transforming and making your own, you're probably fine. But on the other hand, it was, hey, I took the underlying beat and now I just made my own song with it. It's really, I took that catchy nature and I'm trying to take what they've done and just make it a little bit better so that I can now get a whole bunch of hits on YouTube because I'm singing the song, same song they were. Then you start to get into some issues. Mm, then it starts getting into remix type stuff. James, hit, hit it. Hit it just for a few seconds. Ain't that guy from TikTok, is he? And guess what he said? Epic, you idiots, enough said. Go get on the internet. Everyone wants a selfie with him. Tweet it, tweet it, tweet it. Follow me. I follow him. Tagging him, walking around. He's having fun with it. You know, like it. Go ahead, Sam. Dude, and, and that's the that's you know for me it wasn't even about uh, trying to you know make it different make it like a I, I didn't want to be the next Eminem man I suck at rapping I just kind of you know put some words together right but it was just fun to do but when when that all came up all of a sudden I was like wow I can't really share this it's not allowing me to really post it I can't really throw any ads to it like I, I couldn't do anything really to promote it and i was wondering why that was happening it, it was it was probably something very similar and it reminded me of like vanilla ice right mm. dun, 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 dun. like that's the only thing he added to the end of his beat and it was like all of a sudden it was different right well and there was a whole lawsuit on that one that we won't get into as much but yeah <laughs> now and, and and the hard thing is is you know with especially with youtube when you throw them up there is youtube generally has Bots, they have a, a machine learning that they go and train. So they're not necessarily looking to see if it's parody as much as they're just comparing the noise and the music. And is it the same? And if it's the same, they're generally going to send that takedown notice and, or take it down and tell you you're infringing. You may or may not be technically, but the, as a first step, they're going to say, we're, we're going to err on the side of caution. We're going to, if there's a potential... <laughs> excuse me, potential for copyright issue, then they're going to take it down and then they're going to put the onus on you to prove, hey, no, this is parody, this is funny. No, it doesn't infringe their copyrights. And then you can either decide, yeah, I'm going to fight it and I'm going to prove it or I'm just going to take it down because it's not worth a fight. But generally with YouTube, they don't even get to that level because it's usually not even a human being. It's just a computer comparing the two songs together. What about DJs? Like there's a huge craze right now with, you know, a big DJs on a stage and they're not even really playing their own music. They're mixing. Exactly, right? Party time. Like, I, I, and I don't know if you have any familiarity with that, but how does a DJ who's playing other people's music getting paid aside from when they produce a new song with a, a particular artist? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit depends because there is some some for live music. There's some rules and it dives into a longer conversation than I'm sure I want to. But some rules, if you're doing it live and you're playing certain or music certain ways, you can get around some of the copyright laws. And now it's not a, you're going to want to check on it. Don't just go off and start playing all the music live and think you're covered. But the one thing is that they may be doing is they may be they may looked at how they're playing the music, how it's being live, and they've they've. Be able to get around the rules or you know 
use the rules to their advantage. The alternative is if you're a big enough, you know, live DJ, you're playing music, you've probably gone out, you've paid for the music you're going to do, you've got that license. Most of the times you just can go online, there's certain, you know, music labels, you can go on, get a license to it, and then you have much more free and clear. So a lot of times if you're a bigger DJ, you're gonna go on and get it free and clear. Some people may be using the live or rules of how you do live music in order to get around it. And some people are just don't care. And they say, hey, I'm I'm ne- I'm never going to get caught. I'm not going to worry about it. And if they give me that letter, I'll deal with it then. Not a good way to go about it, but some people also will do that. 60% of the time, it works every time. <laughs> right? I was like, that's the logic that I've been using. Damn, probably not great legal advice. All right, Devin, look. Uh, I've thrown all kinds of stuff at you this this podcast, and you've been you just you've been taking it like a champ, dude. Giving us the best piece of advice you possibly can. Uh, if somebody needs some consultation, if somebody wants to sit down and talk about their particular situation, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? And make sure you uh you say it so that the listening audience can can uh, can get a hold of you as well. Yeah, absolutely. So. We so one of the things is, is all the advice I gave is is general advice, right? And there's always specifics depending on your, your specific situation. It's going to change, so take it that for what it is. Is it gives you a bit of an idea, but before you're really going to go build a business, do something that's going to cost you a lot of money, take it a minute and go to an attorney. So. We offer strategy meetings that you can come sit down with us for a few minutes, ask a few questions more specifically tailored to your situation, see if we need to help or if we want to dive in deeper and make sure you're protected. Easiest way to do that is go to strategymeeting.com. You can come. It links right to my calendar. You can grab some time. We'll set aside, ask your, answer your questions, make sure you're taken care of. Now, if you want to just get some general information saying, hey, I don't want to, I'm not quite ready to sit down with an attorney, not sure if I need one, even though it's free, I don't want to waste their time type of thing. First of all, you're not going to waste our time. Ask us as many, ask me as many questions as you want. But if you also go to lawwithmiller.com, so lawwithmiller.com, that has a lot, we have a lot of resources, a lot of information. We have a lot of time, we spend a lot of time building a learning library that you can find out more. So strategymeeting.com, just grab some time with me or lawwithmiller.com just to find some or general information. All right, dude, you've been going on a lot of different podcasts. I love the people that you've been working with. They've been helping you get on all kinds of different shows. What's been your experience like as you go podcast to podcast and how'd you go work uh, being on the Business Bros podcast? Oh, favorite podcast ever. Now I probably, it's kind of like when I tell my clients, you're my favorite client ever, but that's what I tell all my clients. So it's been great. It's been fun. You know, every podcast is a bit different. It's unique in every way that people, and what, and that's what makes it fun, right? So, you know, you guys put the fun clips in it. Yeah. You have a lot of energy. Other people, they want to extract knowledge and they just want to get out as much information to their crowd and everyone is different, but it's fun to hear all the different questions. And it's also interesting how many people have all sorts of different questions that they don't know that they're trying to come up with, that they're facing all sorts of unique situations. So I've had a blast. It's been fun. And it's been it's been one of my favorite podcasts. And that's the correct answer when you're live, man. That's the correct <laughs> answer when you're live. All right, dude. Hey, uh, just, just wondering, what, why go on podcast tours? Why get on other podcasts? What's the purpose behind it? Yeah, I mean – one is I, I love working with startups and small businesses. And so one of the things that I think is the hardest and the most difficult as a startup or small business is you always have more things to spend money on than you have money to spend. It's, it's you know, it's just a truism. As a startup and a small business, you're not going to have enough money to spend everything buy everything or get all the advice or spend the money that you would like. And so I, I love coming on podcasts because it's a way that people can at least become aware of, get a, an idea of what they need to do, what are some of the things they can consider. And then it gives them an avenue to say, okay, 
hey, I never really thought about our brand. How are we going to protect our brand? We should probably do something about that because we have a big brand that we want to protect. Or, hey, we're using clips in the YouTube or from YouTube and part of our thing. Are we okay or not okay? And it's just fun to be able to share that knowledge with the community, be able to help them, the startups, be able to compete in small business, be able to compete on a much bigger level because now they're knowing what they should and shouldn't do and what they should consider and start to dive into the whole, uh, the whole business world with that. Well, dude, really appreciate you coming on the show because you're exactly right, man. Getting out there and talking to people, giving them the information they need. They they know, they'll like, they'll trust you once you give them what they need. And then and then you never know, man. You're always uh, developing relationships and building, uh, building new clientele. Ladies and gents, that's intellectual property. And we just kind of scraped the surface. So, you know, it's like anything else. It's tax season right now. You have something that you saw on TV or on TikTok saying that this is a tax law or whatever. You need to go see a professional. Same thing with the intellectual property. Go check somebody out. Talk to somebody who's in that space. Get to know them. Let them get to know your situation so you get the best advice possible. That's always good advice. Go ask a pro. Speaking of which, you guys should be posting content on a regular basis. Every single day, you should be putting out content. And I know you don't know what to post. You don't know where to record it. You don't know what to do. It's cool. I got you covered. Go to businessbros.biz slash done for you. We're going to take care of all your content for an entire month. I'll sit down with you 30 minutes a month. That's all you need to put in. I'm going to sit down, pull all the information out of you. We're going to take that content, chop it up, and give you all the pieces that you need so you're posting every single day. If you don't post every day, you're invisible. Nobody's going to know what you do even if you're a damn good professional so make sure you guys put your content out every single day businessbros.biz slash done for you all right ladies and gents we'll see you guys again manana peace y'all and devin thank you again for coming on the show hey my pleasure it was a blast all right ladies and gents see you later thank you for listening to the business bros podcast are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.